so when when high winds hit the um, the material it kind of sways a little bit but it doesn't shatter and and the same with earthquake Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. I am super glad that you're here with us today. This is Michelle Nedelec. I am your host of the business ownership podcast. And I am here with my most amazing guest, Rolf. Rolf, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle, for inviting me. It's a pleasure. So for those of you who don't know, and there's no way that you could possibly know, Rolf was uh, teasing me about some emails that we sent out that were only pertinent to uh, the States. And I said, and, and then he was nice enough to send me some trumpet music. And I went, Oh, no, this is awesome. This is perfect timing for Christmas. Would you be on the show? And he agreed to. And I said, do you sell your music? And he says, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's okay. We're going to talk about all things Christmas fun and otherwise, but we'll get into that later. So yeah. Ralph, can you give everybody kind of the highlight of who you are and a quick introduction to your business? Or Absolutely. I'll be happy to. So I'm half Norwegian, half Italian. I live in Norway. And uh, this week we have... Uh, a chilly week so um, I'm dreaming of Italy warm summers right now <laughs> <laughs> and am, what is um, chilly week this week for you it's uh, around 15 Fahrenheit I think okay. or, or, or maybe five wait it's minus uh, 15 degrees Celsius, Celsius. <laughs> there you go. So yep. it's uh, it's below way below freezing point I can tell you that so we had uh, snowfall earlier this week so uh, the whole area is snow white covered Fun. and and chilly so so for those who are romantically in love with the winter mm-hmm. norway is a great location for <laughs> for skiers and uh, bobsleighs and everything like that but driving around in the regular streets and the roads slippery that's dangerous <laughs> <laughs> not so much so let's stick to the romantic side of Exactly. Norway and Christmas for now, just because it's easier yep. to get through it. <laughs> yeah. So what do you typically do for business or businesses? What do you, what's your passion? Well, my passion is uh, sustainability. So right. I'm, I'm all into uh, introducing sustainable solutions to the market, real estate market, um, food production, uh, and also energy uh, generation. So um, I have an eco-friendly hub, which I call Home to Live. Uh, it's, it started with uh, 10 years ago. I had a dream. I woke up one morning and I had a vision of a different and, let's say, better real estate market, better solutions for housing. So I, I had read about uh, time, the tiny home movement in the U.S., and I, I saw that some Japanese architects, they had been making some cool designs, which had which were very compact, so just to um, reduce the unuseful uh, space not needed. So anyway, I, I started investigating in this, and I um, 
connected with architects around the world. So today I have maybe a network of, let's say, plus minus 80 countries um, around the world. The, um, uh, the scope of this hub was in the beginning just to spread the information about smart solutions. That's it. But then um, as I was investigating and spreading the news of clever solutions, some of these solutions became more important for me, uh, where I have now 10 years later, actually I'm on the brink of uh, establishing some manufacturing of some of these solutions myself and my hey, team. Hey, congratulations. So, you know, um, yeah. So I, I found that no one was doing it. No one was spreading this efficiently enough. It was inaccessible uh, uh, in many countries. So I thought I have to do it myself. I have to create a network where I, pre I produce something clever and I distribute it to the network, which I have now gathered over the past 10 years. So this year I have been working relentlessly to find a way of, uh, of getting this manufacturing facilities up and running. Hopefully next year it will happen. So I will I will tell you more about this afterwards, but you know this is the highlights of what I'm. That's my my passion. My day job is a CEO of a construction company. So I import steel buildings, steel uh, material uh, from Lithuania mainly to Norway, which we offer then to pretty much most of all business to business customers, which uh, use these buildings for um, storage or combination buildings with the combination of storage and and um, office space. Awesome. So that's <clears throat> This is going to be fascinating. And I'm sad to say that <laughs> we're going to have limited time with you, but I'm going to try and milk out as much as I possibly can. So talk to me about the, your housing and manufacturing first, and then we'll get into the steel housing. Uh, what kind of elements are in that house to make it, you know, eco-friendly to make it whatever it is yeah with, so without we, giving your secret sauce <laughs> absolutely so if we look at at the housing industry in norway uh, for decades it has been mainly wooden constructions mm -hmm. uh, wooden elements which has been used uh, have been used for for housing um, i mean norway has used wood for hundreds of years and one should think that it's eco-friendly but it's not so eco-friendly because it takes around 80 trees to um, to produce a small hose and it takes a lot of many years for those trees to grow you know to full length before they are cut and and um, so in the sawmill and then utilized in the housing industry so so uh, and and if you look at the other materials which is common both in Norway and other countries like concrete um, it uh, it um, demands a lot of water which is scarce in some places. And, and then you have steel, which I'm selling daily, which um, um, requires a lot of energy to produce steel. So none of these solutions are really, really eco-friendly. I mean, if we could build with bamboo or straw, maybe it could be you know, eco-friendly, but they would deteriorate in a split second in the harsh environment in Norway, you, you, would, you would freeze to death you know, during winter time and, and melt during summer. So those solutions are not good. So I so the solution which I stumbled upon um, is a composite material, a composite um, with, where the main ingredient is glass fiber. 
glass fiber, like yeah, sand. Glass fiber. Wow. So yeah, well, no, it's uh, actually polyester is the main Amazing. ingredient in okay. this, and it's the same material which speedboats are being manufactured mm -hmm. of glass fiber. I think in the U.S. you say fiberglass, but anyway, in Norway, <laughs> in Norway we say glass fiber, okay. so <laughs> the opposite. Yeah, uh, speedboats, uh, yachts, um, car parts are now mm -hmm. being manufactured. The new BMW, I think, consists of 80% composites mm -hmm. for, to, to make it lightweight and strong. Airplane parts also. So for 10, 20, 30 years, the industry ha have used uh, fiberglass or glass fiber than in the other industries, but not in the housing. And then you can ask yourself, why not? So my engineer, which I'm collaborating with, he was the one who invented to use this in back in 1965. So more than 55 years ago, he mm -hmm. found that, hey, when, when you build a ship or, or a boat or a, you know something which is durable, why not do this for housing as well? So he mm -hmm. started investigating this back in the day. He built a church in 1965, the entire facade. And it still stands and it looks like new today as if it was built now. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that is surprising <laughs> to me. One, because I live in Canada, so I kind of have an understanding of how <laughs> freezing yeah. weather and uh, blistering heat can uh, impact, especially polyester, especially the um, anything that's made of plastic basically turns super brittle usually and um, just... <laughs> Yeah. So what do you know what's happening with it that it's that it has this durability and ability to stand up? Yeah. So first of all, there is absolutely no plastic in it at all. It's only fibers. It's uh, polyester fibers and aggregates stones okay. and different mixture of things which does do not deteriorate when it's mixed together. Okay. So call me silly, but is polyester not a form of plastic? No, it's actually uh, oil which is uh, distilled in a sp special way. So it, uh, it, it's, um, it's its own material. It's just simply called polyester. And, and when, when it's processed together with the, these fibers, it mm -hmm. becomes uh, glass fiber or fiberglass. So That's then it. does it become biodegradable at that point or is it a... No, actually it doesn't. That's the thing. It's, it's long lasting. So mm -hmm. that's why that's what I'm what I'm commenting when I said that he has built 200 buildings, uh, mostly in Norway. Yeah, uh, he built some few in the U in in the U.S. also in 1991, uh, two, three, four, and then he came back to Norway again and has built 200 projects buildings in Norway. Very so cool. no, no, none of them have had any need of maintenance since they were built. None. All of them they look like new, as if they were built now. So this wow. is the uniqueness that once you build a building, it stands against time, against weather phenomenon. It doesn't rot, does not shrink, doesn't crack. It st stands against acids, even salt water. So you can actually physically build in the water and it doesn't deteriorate. That's unique. Wow, it certainly is. <laughs> and I know the bane of existence to everybody living in, you know, on the beaches is the sea salt deteriorating yeah. our houses right you... absolutely yeah I, I used to live in spain for four and a half years uh, until covid hit and uh, during my time there we lived in in a few different homes mm -hmm. which were affected by exactly what you're mentioning the salt 
the uh, the moist there were it was you know mold in the structure and it was almost impossible to keep it out because of the large amount of humidity in the air now we, if we had built with our solutions there those houses would have had no mold no wow uh, no problem so florida here. is going to be a hotbed for you <laughs> absolutely florida would be perfect for this just because you have the brack water in yep. the ground there and uh, the mixed of the salt which deteriorates uh, um, concrete uh, slabs and foundations mm -hmm. and we can build our, our own foundation in the future once we have set up the factory we can build from the foundation and up everything with the same material so the foundation outside walls inside walls the separating floors and the roof of the same material it can wow. have different colors it can have patterns so it can look like wood it can look like concrete uh, like smooth structure you can have like uh, stones uh, attached to the um, to the wall so you have a stony facade so you can mix colors so for a, desi a designer an architect this is a dream you can right. build straight Anything. triangular or round even a round building wow so there is and no limits Okay, so we're going to talk about the round because architectural design is <laughs> huge when it comes to that. What about the durability against, obviously, hurricanes in Florida? That's also perfect because the material is strong at the same time as it's flexible. So when when high winds hit the, um, the material, it kind of sways a little bit, but it doesn't shatter. And, and the same with earthquake. I mean, if you build with bricks and blocks and there is an earthquake, everything crumbles. But with the, the, the polyester fibers, they are intertwined. So they sway like, a, like a, let's say, like a tree. Yeah. You know, the, the trees are swaying. Mm -hmm. So the building would sway, but it doesn't shatter. So nice. It will stand against, you know, all kind of weather phenomena. So that's perfect. <laughs> well, yeah. So let's move on to the design element because since the beginning of time, <laughs> architects have been limited in the, just the physics of wind and pressure and stresses and all that kind of fun stuff. And being able to have something that's pliable and flexible, I mean, you're, you've just opened the floodgates of design. Yeah, absolutely. We spoke with, with some designer recently uh, which are whom are designing yachts, yep. Italian high-end luxurious yachts. And I told them that, hey, you guys, would you like to cooperate with us and design houses which looks like yachts? You can have curves, slick lines, you know, it can go a bit straight and then suddenly it can sway, swing in one direction. Oh, is this possible? Yes, absolutely. No problem. They were thrilled. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm discussing and actually to do this in Florida. We were discussing actually literally to build um, apartment buildings, for example, where you you have the, let's say you have your own boat mm -hmm. and then you, you drive into the building. So we, we build in these canals, that was my plan. Mm -hmm. And then you enter into the building with your, with your speedboat, you take the elevator up, that's fine. Then you have another elevator from the road, also enter into, into the home. So if you have a Lamborghini, for example, then you have your your elevator for the Lamborghini. It, you, you take it up to your fifth, sixth, tenth floor, whatever, and then you park it there. 
then you just exit the Lamborghini and you enter into your apartment from the car. <laughs> nice. They, they thought this was really cool. So this, right? is, this is my vision to make a really, really high end, super luxurious uh, living area uh, on the water, which never will deteriorate and it will stand, you know, for hundreds of years with no maintenance. I love that because obviously there's a concern with parking in Lamborghini on the ground when there's swells coming in and all sorts of fun stuff because all of these guys are right at the waterfront. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. That is awesome. Yeah. So the I have some innovations which I'm working on, which is pretty cool. One of them is a greenhouse which is insulated with soap bubbles. And the cool thing that this is actually a Canadian um, origin back from 1979. What? Yeah. The inventor himself, he lives in Canada today. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he has been working, you know, his entire life to spread this technology. I found this, stumbled upon this here in Norway in 2012, 13, 14, 15, and thought that, hey, this is a good idea to, to build a greenhouse at cheap cost which saves a lot of energy for heating and cooling and saves water, around 90% water. So the structure can be of steel, aluminum, wood, or our uh, composite material. And then it's covered with a, um, a cover, which is double, double cover. So it's an inner cover and an outer cover. And then there's a cavity. And inside that cavity, there is soap bubbles. And the soap bubbles are insulating the interior against heat or cold. So it's working the same function if it's in Dubai or in Norway, it works the same way to keep the heat or cold out. Soap bubbles. And the soap bubbles, they, they retract when they're, when the soap machine is not working. Mm -hmm. So if there is a normal day, you don't need it, okay, then it's just retract, retract, retracting and it's there is no soap bubbles there. Now, if the sun hits and it becomes too hot, boom, the machine starts pumping the soap bubbles again, or if it's in the winter time in Norway, for example, then it soaps all the time. The thing is that soap is a bit transparent. So it lets the, the light come through, but not the UV light. So it filtrates the UV lights, leaves it out, but you have enough light daylight inside the structure during the hours of the day where, where, where there is um, no day. And the, grow, and the plants will grow beautifully inside this closed loop. So that's my plan to build small communities where you have these greenhouses, then you have these small tiny homes and people can then live in the tiny homes and work in these greenhouses and the produce from the greenhouses can be sold either to far on a farmer's market or people can subscribe and have delivered fresh fish or, or vegetables daily or weekly directly to their home. Or one can sell to restaurants and or or, or um, hotels, for example, nearby. Well, that is awesome. So yeah. you can have kind of your protective covering on the outside, and then they have the layers of these kind of three layers, I guess, of the the bubbles inside. So how did they get the light? Like, how would the light go through that? Yeah, that's the thing. It's a transparent cover, so the 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 whole whole building is you can see through it. Yeah. It's a see through building. So when you have the soap bubbles, they are also, you know, semi-transparent. So you will have the light come in, but not the UV right. the light from the sun. The sun rays, they, they filtrate the way the UV light. So you have right. a sun 
shine, yeah. but inside you have light. So the plants, they grow with the photosynthesis naturally. Um, just when you have the soap bubbles stopping the heat or the cold outside, mm -hmm. it requires less energy inside the building to maintain the same temperature day and night, summer and winter, all year around at a very low cost. That's the, that's the beauty. So you will have the same stable temperature all the time. Yeah. The greenery will flourish. They will explode. Boom. When you have the exact perfect temperature all the time. And then since it's a closed environment, it requires very little water. So you, you, you grow, for example, the, the greenery in tubes, like mm -hmm. aeroponics. Yeah. And you have the, the roots inside. And then you, if you have a fish cultivation as part of this, let's say a rainbow trout, which you um, can cultivate in the base, yeah. then you have the water from the fish, you spray it inside the tubes of the greenery, and the greenery becomes double well, as big. Fertilized. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that was and, awesome. And so you save 90% water. So what do you do for sunlight? Because as you know, when the sun goes down at three o'clock in the evening in the winter. LED. So LED. you have LED LED lights yep. during part of the, you know, the, the night yep. time. Uh, maybe you have a break four hours in the middle of the night where, where it's totally dark. Right. And then you use LED light again in the morning. And then the sun mm -hmm. rises and then you just switch off everything. So when you cover uh, with solar film, flexible solar film on the entire outer skin, then you get energy generation of the building and the building becomes net positive. So you generate more electricity or energy than you need and you can sell it to the neighbor or, or to the grid. That is awesome. So you were yeah. saying you have, and then you have the little micro houses. Talk to me more about the little micro houses. Yeah, and so that's your launched, project too? Yeah, I launched a couple of weeks, few weeks ago, a um, website here in Norway for, to promote those tiny homes which we call Alvehus in Norwegian or elf houses then in English. <laughs> they are small. They are 24 square meters or equivalent to 240 square feet, the smallest ones. And the largest ones are 100 square meters or 1,000 square feet. That's the range and everything in between. So we have launched now 10, no, 15 different uh, alternatives on the site. And when you, when you go to the site, you will see that these homes, they are beautiful. They are nice. They look very nice. Now, before we have the factory and can produce them with our own building material, we are delivering them uh, made of wooden structures. So the normal standard um, materials, which is accessible everywhere. But, you know, so we are able to deliver it now, even before our factory is being built with a new fleximant building system, which we call it. Yep. So now the small, tiny homes is to tackle the, um, the high cost of normal houses which for first-time buyers or single parents or you know elderly or or anyone who is who who has a budget which is you know at, at a maximum, they will be able to buy themselves into these small homes which have everything. So you have everything you need. They're just more compact, but they look beautiful. That's the thing. I love that. That is awesome, and I hope that you know the. That as it grows, it keeps Elvin Hooven House <laughs> its name because I just think it's way more fun to hear that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Yes, uh, it was a friend of my uh, my wife whom um, she she came up with this name 
her her son. He she has he has his name is actually Elf in in English. Alv in Norwegian. Awesome. And she yeah, you know said just for fun maybe you should call it Alvhus. And this we did. Elf House. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so. And the website fun. was was available, so we took it and yeah, we launched it. So now we we have we have had it out out in the market now for a couple of weeks, and we have interest from all over Norway. So now we are just looking for a way of finding the plots to be able to set this up. And that's why why we came up with the idea of the greenhouses to mix it. Because if we look at farmland, when we place the greenhouses on the farmland, it will generate more food per cubic meter than the whole field would, would produce per square meter during the whole year, You know, because we have six months of snow. So when we have an indoor farming solution, that will produce much more food. So then when, when we have the small homes at the mm -hmm. edge of the, um, of the field, and then you have the, the food production in the middle, so people can live in the outskirts of the um, uh, field, and then they can work in the, uh, in the greenhouses and harvest you know, and help sell to, through a farmer's market or, or to hotels or restaurants or to people, to people families directly who can subscribe for it. Yeah. So I, I think this is a wonderful way of, you know, having short traveled food. This is the right. whole thing. If you can produce the food here and you can distribute it here and you can eat it here immediately, you know, fresh with no pesticides, no transport costs, you know, freshly produced at maybe even cheaper cost. Wow. The thing is that the producer will earn more than they would if they distributed this to the normal channels, which would be, but then you have to transport it, you know, a long way. And the, in, in, in our case, we usually import things from, from Spain, from, uh, from the Netherlands, you know, trucks driving through all of Europe to Norway, you know, now we don't have to, once we come, we become self, self-sustained with our own food production, even during winter time, then we're good. And each and every other country can do the same. So everyone can become self-sustained with their own food production locally and have it distributed, you know, next door. That would wow. be the most awesome thing to do. Right. We'll have Canadian pineapples. <laughs> mm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Who knew? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. awesome. And yeah. brilliant. Absolutely. Talk to me about the cost of this. Yeah. So the, the, my whole idea is that the use of the greenhouse, the, the creation of the greenhouse was meant from my side and also from the inventor as a low cost solution for most people. So it can, so it can benefit, I mean, even people in, in Africa or South America. So for example, yesterday I was a speaker at an online event with the Nigerians. So I, I, um, spoke about this um, solution and they loved it this this they mm. thought that this was perfect for them because now when they usually produce food there uh, it doesn't last very long you know in the in the heat so mm. they have to package it they have to try to cool it to to make it uh, survive but if you have a just in time delivery where you literally pick it you know from inside the greenhouse and you almost eat it instantly it will not deteriorate so right. so you, you you need almost no packaging you know nice yeah another double uh 
<laughs> bonus offer of that. Nice. I'm all about think, you know trying to to be to think outside the box. You know to try mm -hmm. to find solutions which are as cheap as possible to be able to reach out to as many as possible. That's that's the whole home to live concept. You know, my wife she calls it a home to live movement because of this. Absolutely, it's transformational for everyone. Because so to me, it still doesn't make sense to have to grow lettuce in my house when I can go buy it for two dollars because it costs me about twenty five <laughs> to be able to build it, make it in my own house. It just it doesn't make sense yet to for that. But I love the concept of that one day it might if enough people are thinking about it and enough people are kind of going well what if we could and then it becomes kind of as you say your reality and that's all awesome. exactly once you get volumes the prices drop massively and then the local produced food will be cheaper than one which is imported from from long distance Nice. Well, I am totally looking forward to having some sort of igloo in my in my backyard that look that grows vegetables all year long. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I was super excited this summer when I grew a watermelon. It was about the size of a loony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a really long growing season here, so it doesn't really work that well. But yeah, well, this is super exciting. And the way you describe those the what I'm going to call it vegetable houses, it sounds like they're gorgeous. Like, yeah. like to see the bubbles and they're just really pretty and aesthetically pleasing and not yeah. a bunch of eyesores. That's awesome. Yeah. Exactly. You build from nature and <laughs> she does her job, right? <laughs> well, this is the whole idea with the greenhouses, with the soap bubbles. It's to to um, copy nature where, where you have a closed environment, where you have the, the greenery is protected from the elements by the cover, which is transparent. So you have still light coming through. Uh, if you had a closed um, greenhouse with no windows at all, you can you can you can do that too. But that would be more suitable for large industrial scaled uh, solutions, really, really super big, where you have hundreds of yards of uh, buildings and then many, many you know really high buildings. Then you can have the LED lighting also only, and you can create the atmosphere, but the smaller units are supposed to copy what's happening in nature. So you make use of the light, the sun, you know, and then you just place a little bit of water inside it yeah. uh, with the aeroponics. So then you boost the uh, greenery, they explode, and you can have freshly produced food at really low cost once everyone gets access to this whole ecosystem. So yeah. completely left turn. How did you get into trumpet playing? <laughs> so when I was seven years old, my mom said, um, you are going to play the trumpet. And I said, no, I'm not interested in playing any trumpet. No one, none of my friends are playing. And she said, come on, I, I will give you, I will have you sign up for private lessons. So it will be only you and the tutor and no one will see you. So I said, are you, are you sure? <laughs> and she said, yes, she promised no one would see me. Okay, so I said, so the first grade and second grade, I, I played alone, just me and the tutor. Uh, then uh, coming to third grade, we moved to another location, and there they didn't have a private, private tutor. But then I was confident enough to uh, join a band, a marching band. So, um, so that was the first time I actually had a uniform. Uh, it, was, I'm, I, it was like mustard 
color. It was not really cool colors now when when I'm thinking of it now, but we were looking pretty sharp, you know, with the, the whole team, uh, 10, 15, 20 young kids playing different instruments and marching in the streets um, in, in on National Day. So that was really fun. So I did this in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Then I moved to Bahrain um, and I enrolled in an American school. So there I continued to play. They didn't have any marching bands there, but they had, we had music um, every week uh, or several times a week, a couple, couple of times a week. And we, I, I played the trumpet then as part of the curriculum in the music class for one year and a half. Mm-hmm. Then I moved back to Norway and I continued. Uh, then, I, then I joined another marching band and we played for a couple of years. Now, at the time when, when I was about to enter into high school, it was not considered cool to play in a marching band any longer. So uh-huh. I was I was pivoting to slalom. I had actually been a slalom skier since I was seven years also. So I had been doing two things, slalom skiing um, and trumpet playing. But then, you know, um, growing up, I, I felt, you know, a bit ridiculous. So I quit playing. I didn't play for 20 years, nothing, zero. Um, and then 20 years later, I missed it. And by chance, some adults asked me, hey, would you like to join us and form a adult group? We are going to play. It's many of us who haven't played for many years. And we are going to form a small, small, simple group, which I did, luckily. And then two, three, four, five years later, um, you know, I, I had been getting back in the game. I played every week, and since then I have been a bit on and off. But now, um, this from this year, I'm playing every week. So, so it's it's um, I love music, you know, and to be able to express, you know, play things I like and enjoy, it's really fun, and it's it's uh, like boosting the energy uh, in a stress, you know, stressed world. Music. Mm-hmm. Is, is really, you know, unstressing. It's it's fun, it's relaxing. I love it. It's a great feeling. So then I, I recorded myself uh, playing some of the tunes and I have I have uh, posted them on the site, which I called um, um, <coughs> Hilton Diamond. I call, call the site. That's my artist name, just for fun. And <laughs> I am a Hilton diamond member <laughs> so i just you know i didn't find any other cooler name i just called it that <laughs> so on, on the site now on the website that's the name of, of me as an artist <laughs> a hobby artist <laughs> awesome well i'm super excited to to share it because i absolutely love christmas carols and especially the instrumentals so that you can yeah. have them playing in the background during you know dinners and things like that it's just it, it adds yeah. a level of ambiance that you don't, nor, that we don't normally get it. <laughs> yeah. So five years ago, I I was planning to post one tune every year for the next thirty years. That was mm-hmm. my plan. But then someone told me that hey, I'm not going to live long enough to listen to the thirtieth tune. So they begged me, please release the ones you have now, so we can enjoy them. <laughs> so uh-huh. I said fine. So I started now. On on December first, um, you know, to count down to Christmas, then I started posting one each day. 
So now, now from today on and until Christmas Eve, I will have posted one new tune every day. So and on Christmas, then I would ha I will have the six which I had um, uh, uploaded before already, and then the rest until Christmas. So in in third in totally probably thirty or thirty one Christmas tunes, which are re recorded and and posted then on the site. <laughs> awesome! That's awesome. So when you're playing, is there a difference between playing Christmas carols and playing other songs? Yes, it is a small difference. I mean, it's it's more quick and cheerful, some of the tunes, and some of the tunes are more slow. But, you know, for me, it's I can play anything. So it's not, but it's just that I, I have, I, I used to sing, you know, these Christmas carols when I, when I was a kid. So it's a bit nostalgia related to these, uh, these tunes because it brings memories, you know, together with my father, my late father and, you know, at the family dinners and gatherings, you know, from, from when I was a small kid. Since I'm half Italian, we used to travel to Italy or to um, Geneva to meet our relatives there, you know, uncles and aunts and, and grandparents living then in Italy or, or, or Switzerland. So I have memories, you know, of travels from when I was a kid and we spent time during Christmas with all these different family members traveling here and there. So I have a lot of positive memories, you know, related to these tunes. So when I play them, you know, I it kind of revives this this feeling of uh, of joy and happiness. So I I, thought I I wanted to share, you know, my joy and my happiness through my music. So that's why also I decided to post it on an uh, online uh, accessible uh, server for anyone on um, on Zoom cloud. Well, I love it. Is there any particular song that is your favorite? Uh, actually, it's not the Christmas tunes, which is my favorite. It's a careless whisper of oh. uh, late George uh, Michael. That's uh, that's my really, really, I love it when I play it. Oh, it's wonderful. But from the Christmas tunes, many. I don't know. I have s several which I like. Um, uh, I like the jazzy ones. Which are, for example, for example, um, uh, um, I have to remember now the Christmas tune called, for example, Jing Jingle Bell Rock. I find yep. cool. This I haven't <laughs> posted yet. I will post it. Um, I think uh, beginning of next week. Nice. Um, Santa Claus is coming to town is really cool, and and then I have the Swedish the Swedish one which is so called Oh Holy Night in English. Uhelganat in Swedish. That's really cool. That's a typical Swedish. Um, I'm from Norway, but you know this. Uh, we 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 used used to to watch Swedish television always when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And this Uhelganat, I remember, and it's you know it's more like an opera kind of uh, of tune. So it's really grand. This I love. Then I have the Ru Rudolph the ra ra red-nosed reindeer goes quick, quick, uh, quickly and fast. That's fun. And I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. That's cool also. <laughs> and then you have the the Disney one when you wish upon a star. My wife she loves that one. She thinks this is really cool. And uh, yes, several others. Nice. So, are there any uh, Norwegian Christmas traditions that that you particularly love and want to share with us i think it's the same as everywhere since we have been um being you know both in norway and italy and and switzerland we see that it's pretty much the same it's about being with family friends 
enjoying the holidays, eating well, sharing, uh, exchange, exchanging gifts. I mean, um, it's it's the magic, you know, of the season. For for us Norwegians, this is the time of year where we we lit, you know, the Christmas tree. I mean, it's pretty dark out. You know, it starts maybe at three thirty p.m. It starts to get dark. This is in our area close to Oslo. Up in the north, they don't have sun at all. Zero. It's and that's why we dark. light our trees on fire. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's a it's a way of shortening the dark, you know, months. That's it. So Love December it. is is uh, to to quickly pass December and then and then it's January February and then it starts to get a bit warmer and nicer again in April and May. <laughs> nice. Is there any particular Christmas food that you that you're fond of, especially if they're Norwegian? Oh, the Norwegian Christmas food is um, is pork. Um, it's pork um, ribs, mm -hmm. pork ribs, with with the with the um, this uh, this skin, which mm -hmm. is cut in in pieces, mm -hmm. and then it's it's being uh, fried in the um, in the oven for several hours, and uh, from the from the pig basically mm -hmm. it becomes all crispy, almost like bacon when you do it right. So so I I, I have found a way when I when I turn it upside down first with some water, so it absorbs a bit water. Yep. And then when I turn it the other way again, then I fry it for a few hours. And then I put it on grill the last maybe 20 minutes. And then it starts popping the the, the surface. So it becomes really nice and crispy. So this is the typical together with sausages and meatballs and you know potatoes, um, either fried potatoes, which I like, or or with um, with uh, in, in the oven baked. So different types of potatoes and sauce. So, uh, you know, usually we sit in hours and hours to eat and eat and eat. So I think <laughs> Christmas is the one one day of the year where I'm always so full. So I can almost, I can't manage almost to open, you know, Christmas presents. But, uh. <laughs> That's awesome. You're making us all hungry now. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I know our listeners are going to want more from you. We will have your links to your uh, trumpet music, which is fabulous. How did they get a hold of you regarding your housing projects if they're interested? Right. So our um, concept, Home to Live, it's the website, Home to Live. So it's a home and then the number two, live.com, Home to Live. Um, and um, that's it. And there is a, a email address there, or or a message message part where one can just connect with me. Uh, so anyone which is eco friendly, enthusiastic, let me just you know take the opportunity to say this. Anyone, architects or companies or private persons who are eco friendly, enthusiastic, please do connect with us, because our plan is to roll this worldwide to all the countries eventually, and we will need all the assistance, all the help we can get from from anyone who is eco-friendly, enthusiastic to spread this quickly and efficiently one country after the other. <laughs> nice. I love it. Well, it's been super exciting being here with you at the beginning because one day, you know, I'll be going, hey, I interviewed him. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. 
Awesome. Yeah. And Ralph, if you don't mind, I get to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you're a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? I started about 25 years ago. I, uh, I had my education in the army. Um, I was eventually a platoon leader. I was a lieutenant. I participated in NATO um, exercises, joint forces with Americans, uh, British, uh, Germans, etc. for five years. Then I um, was recruited to the private sector because of my leadership training. So um, I worked for three different companies as a CEO. And eventually I decided to invest in real estate projects myself. This was also this was by chance. It was a friend of mine who asked me if he, I want to join him uh, participating in uh, investing in, in real estate. So I said, okay, sure, we can try. Let's try one project and see how it goes. And I ended up investing in real estate projects for 10 years straight after this one project, which we were just testing for fun. Uh, and that's how I learned the trade of uh, constructions. So I learned how to do everything from plumbing, electric work, um, carpenting, tiling, you name it. So today I could build an entire home myself with my bare, not my bare hands. I would need some tools, <laughs> but um, I could literally build a whole, a whole house myself with no no help from anyone. Wow. So that's what that's what I have learned over the twenty five past twenty five years. So so an entrepreneur, you know, I, I once I started, it, there was no going back to be a high hired um, employee. You know, right. that, that's gone. You know, long, long time ago, I enjoy the freedom. I enjoy the traveling. Um, basically, it's me and my wife collaborating. So without her, I'm not sure how well I would have done. She is a jurist, lawyer. So right. she, she helps me with all the legal things and also with motivating me at times when things, you know, feel that, oh, now I need a little boost. So luckily, we have, we are supporting each other daily. And I think that's maybe one of the, things which I'm most grateful grateful for is to have her alongside with me or else I think it would be it would have been tougher to be an entrepreneur if I hadn't had her uh, alongside me you know together oh, I love that that's super sweet yeah yeah I have to say that that's that's a success factor number one because always you have to have a team you know working mm -hmm. and either you have an external team or in our, our case, we have an internal team <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes that may be challenging, but we have found a beautiful way of um, separating, let's say, our daily private life from our daily business life. And it works beautifully. So I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Ralph, you have been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Thank you for inviting me and continue the great work you do. So it's it has been a great honor and pleasure. And I wish, you know, the listeners a very merry, happy Christmas and a splendid 2023. When it comes to that, the future is, as far as I'm concerned, great. And everyone can contribute to a better world for everyone. So, you know, even if there are challenges in the world today with things happening, you know, let's let's take the the lights, let's see the positivity of things, and and help each other to create that that better world, which is easy.
to do is in my mind, it just takes you and me and one person at a time to make some small adjustments, small, small changes, and everything will be great. <laughs> Absolutely. You've been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. And Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.